हेलो एवरीवन दिस इज कथक का चक्कर माय नेम इज प्रमित एंड दिस प्लेस इज डिजाइन टू बी अ सेंट्रल प्लेटफॉर्म टू ब्रिंग कॉन्वर्सेशंस विद कथकर्स अक्रॉस द ग्लोब So today I have with me Sampada Pillai. Uh, Sampada ji was initiated into Kathak at the at six years of age and is an alumni of Kala Academy Goa, having successfully completed the Paranga Diploma in Kathak at Kala Academy. Sampada moved to Pune and came under the tutelage of renowned Kathak legend, late Pandita Dr. Rohini Bhate, and Nritya Bharati Kathak Dance Academy, Pune. Sampada ji has many solo and group performances to her credits. such as performances in the dance festivals at somnathpur and haribhai belur in karnataka nakshatra utsav goa nimhan dance festival madhya pradesh articulate festival mysore sutra festival sai nitya utsav fest uh, bangalore shilparam hyderabad goa durashan dd chandana natyatandra and shankara tv to name a few sampada has spoken choreographed short film Radha Bhakti Sudha in 2007 which received the jury's special mention award at the New York Short Film Festival in 2008 she has been a panelist for the topic Guru Shishya Parampara on World Dance Day 2017 curated by eminent dance historian and professor professor Ashish Mohan Shankar Hoker uh, recently she has been on the jury's panel for Kathak in Samman 2020 a worldwide talent hunt contest in Indian classical dance hosted by the Shankar Mahadevan Academy Sampada settled in settled in Bangalore in 2012 and established Rhythm Kathak School in Yellahanka New Town she brings forth a beautiful synthesis in the Lucknow Jaipur gharana of Kathak as established by her guruji late dr rohini bhate uh, sampada ji how are you hello pramit thank you for having me on your show today i'm doing very well how are you I'm good, and yeah, big thanks to Mimansa for recommending I bring you on, and uh, just getting started with that. Uh, Sampadaji, I guess for you, I would like, like you know, since you live in Bangalore and in this era, how do you bring about getting new students in Kathak or getting garnering interest in this art form? Well, when I moved to Bangalore in 2012, um, of course, everything was new to me, and nobody knew me, so there was no background. for me to begin on because nobody knew about me so the first thing that i started was i began performing wherever i got a chance i would perform be it a durga festival be it a ganesh chaturthi festival for the society that i was residing in and i didn't ask for any honorariums initially although i have been uh, trained for so many years and i've been in the field for so many years uh, simply because again it was starting from scratch in bangalore i couldn't carry forth my work that was done in pune and prior to that goa so i started uh, performing mainly and when people watched the performances that is when they would come to me and then they would ask me um who are you and where did you learn and do you take classes or do you plan to take classes and that's how the rhythm journey began in 2012 So Sampada ji a question about i guess following up on this were you performing with an intent to start getting more students or were you performing because you wanted to perform what was going through your head as you went into bangalore and you started to like make yourself known 
I, I've always wanted to be connected with Kathak and uh, performing, it's a performing arts eventually. So no matter how much you say you dance for yourself in your own studio or in your own room when you're doing your riyas, you still want to come on stage, you know? Uh, I want to be honest about that. So I, yeah, I wanted to be in front of an audience and uh, I wanted to uh, at least uh, show the compositions that I feel I'm good in, get some appreciation from them. You know, it's a two-way thing. Otherwise, the rasa is not complete. You need your audience to come back to you with some kind of uh, aesthetic experience. So that was my intent. And yes, I wanted to start classes. And uh, there's no better way to put yourself up in front of your audience and, uh, you know, let them see for themselves that, uh, yes, you know, this lady uh, has got some metal and she can teach our children. So it was not about getting more students. It was just about getting started. My focus has never been about number of students. It's uh, been uh, mainly to teach to interested students who want to learn the style the way the tradition has given it to us, not the current trend of the Bollywood mix. So that's definitely not on my agenda. And uh, yeah, so that's that was my, uh, those were my thoughts when I began here. Understood. And as you performed for Bangalore and you kind of understood the audience more, uh, have you understood what aspects of da dance or which are there certain compositions or there certain aspects of the dance that yeah. appeal more to Bangalore compared to the other places or what is it that the Bangalore likes about Kathak? What have you found in your experiences? Um, I think uh, uh, more, it's pretty much the same all over. If the audience is not very well-versed with the technicalities of an art form, they enjoy compositions that are easy to follow. Uh, simple uh, jatis uh, going in chatushralai, or simple rhythmic patterns, you know, not very complicated mathematical compositions. Those kind of things do not appeal to audiences when uh, they don't know what's going on. So that has been uh, fairly common in most of the, I, I mean, I've just been in Goa and Pune and now Bangalore, that's three places. But this is the common factor I find. If they don't uh, know the technicalities of an art form, they can't really enjoy things that easily. They may enjoy it at a subconscious level without really understanding it, but uh, that is like very few of them, you know, uh, very few percentage. But yeah, I would say that the Pune audiences are very well versed in, uh, you know, the deep technicalities of Kathak where uh, dancers do present uh, very difficult um, uh, sections of uh, Kathak, which are in Sankirna Jatis or Khanda Jatis and the audiences follow that. So that is the difference in uh, Pune and uh, a little bit in Bangalore. But um, for me, I would say overall, the layman is same. Uh, you can't really expect them to uh, figure out what you are doing on stage. You know, it's the musicians who would follow you or other dancers who would follow you. This has been my take. But uh, so far, I have always kept my recital traditional beginning with a vandana then uh, following it up with a tal presentation and then ending with a deep abhinaya piece which is uh, not any popular song but very um, uh, you know traditional thumris like uh, written by guru bindadan maharaj ji uh, uh, i can give you an example of kahe rokat dagar pyare 
ya kahe ko mere ghar aaye ho these are what i've learned from my guru even some that my guruji has uh, written eri kaise jaao main jal bharna wa these have gone well with the audiences they have enjoyed this uh, despite not knowing the language here most of them would not follow the language but they have enjoyed the music they have enjoyed the expressions uh, i mean at least i i would say that because i got a positive feedback and um, they do like to see more of abhinaya whenever the chance comes they would ask me yes please present at least one tumri in your recital so this i have experienced here and uh, one and i guess since 2012 and 2021 so we're talking about like 9 years now um you've seen the audiences in bangalore kind of change so in your experiences how have the audiences changed and how and how and have your performances changed with them i'm sure you perform traditional pieces but is the structure or what you perform has that changed with you largely i would say that the audience that comes to the auditorium has not changed because they come to the auditorium to watch a recital mm. they come with an intention to watch a recital and they know that it's going to be traditional and not uh, something that is uh, presented on popular music mm. so there of course uh, we would present all the uh, you know uh, things special things from the repertoire mm. and uh, if at all i am doing something which is mishra jati or khanda jati uh, kathak has got a tradition where the artist comes up to the mic and explains has a dialogue or uh, has a kind of a connection with your audience when you speak to them and tell them that uh, this is the next piece that i'm going to do and this is how it goes rhythmically and you do the padhant for the same you recite the piece and that kind of gives uh, the audience a base uh, you know to uh, watch and listen to what you're going to do next so this works for kathak dancers um the audiences uh, that are different are what i would say in uh, you know the community uh, 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 performances that we have like the durga puja festivals and chaturthi festivals that are done on large scales in many places Uh, there you will find that uh, majority of them are having their attention divided in different uh, places there are stalls set up there's some food stalls and some shopping and there is something going on on the stage so there you cannot be doing these kind of uh, presentations there you have to have something that is fast with uh, which is eye catching um, you know more of spins and uh, more of um, uh covering of the stage and uh, mostly a group performance a solo may or may not uh, stand all there 
and you need to have something thematic that is related with the particular topic for that uh, celebration that you know can get the people uh, tuned into you because the distractions are many around kids are crying then there are other groups lined up to perform and uh, lots of chaos so there you can't be sitting doing a deep thumri or you know a khandajati parana or something like that you have to uh, kind of change your uh, entire uh, performance uh, sequence for that audience so this is the difference i see the what ka- the whoever comes in the auditorium yes they come with an intent to watch a performance so there we you know really can go with our traditional format this is what i feel so uh and like you talked about having a like something that appeals to the theme or something in line with the theme of the festival do you have an example or an anecdote to share from that where you like your performance had a theme to that matched the vibe of the place yes this was uh, uh in 2012 itself uh, there was this durga puja function in our uh, society premises it was a big event and uh, i did uh, a durga stuti itself i just did one piece which was like not even more than 10 minutes but it was on a goddess durga which uh, and it wasn't pure kathak uh, dance style there was no um, mix of any other dance form no contemporary movements or no bollywood movements in it it was purely classical so that uh, really went well with the audience so i think uh, if you believe in what you do and the conviction gets your audience to pay attention to you so i i do strongly believe in this that when you present something you have to believe in what you're presenting else you shouldn't do it you know yeah and um, i get sometimes get confused between this so the vandana is the initial offering you have to the god in the beginning of a kathak performance what is a stuti then it goes along the same lines as stuti is more about singing uh, a, uh, it's poetic lines that will uh, be uh, telling you praises about the particular deity vandana is like an invocation you're in invocating the god through your uh, presentation but vandana can also include the stuti in it so uh, it for me it translates to one and the same thing that it's an offering a prayer to begin your uh, recital with and uh, sampada ji i guess we'll go into like a little bit in your school as well but one thing i want to ask you so as you you talked about starting from scratch again in bangalore and not having the luxury of you know your previous uh, uh, you know your previous performances and background coming make and coming making that in bangalore so as you started and the process of it um uh what uh, like uh, from from a from a mental standpoint like uh what helped you persist through it i understand one of this conviction but was was the process difficult for you did you enjoy it what was it like from all these 9 years establishing your school and making a presence here in bangalore see i think this is something that most artists will identify with the passion for the art once you have the passion and uh, you kind of become um, uh you know uh completely focused that this is what you want to do no matter what the no matter what is the key to the whole thing so the yeah it's been a difficult process it was not easy i had two students only when i started and uh, for a, 
I think a couple of months, uh, then, you know, around six months, there were like four. So it was very slow. And then suddenly, boom, you know, it was like 30 by the end of the year. So it was all, well, yeah, it was all word of mouth. <laughs> so uh, it, it was very difficult to, uh, you know, uh, I, did, I didn't, I never advertised. So everything depend on what uh, people spoke about me or my work. And initially, uh, I had lots of problems where parents, uh, they would, you know, miss classes. So I used to keep telling them that it's just twice a week, you know, please be serious. Do not miss, miss the only class, you know, we were only meeting twice a week. So it's very important that things come. So it took a lot of, uh, uh, you know, kind of talking to them, explaining to them the importance of coming to class and uh, doing your RIAs. No, even then, at that point, even 10 minutes is enough for the kids just a revision, you know, uh, every day of the week. So this took a long time to explain and kind of get across through because um, they, I probably feel that they didn't think I was serious enough or, and I wanted to make sure that they are serious enough. So I used to, at one point, I think I was even badgering, <laughs> like, have you practiced or not? Have you practiced? Have you made them practice? So I think, yeah, over the years, they have, they've gotten used to me. Now I don't have to tell them that you need to practice at least the old students. Mm. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Thanks for sharing. Um, yeah. Getting to practice is a big, always a big thing. Kind of, I think if every teacher has their own way of doing, getting students to practice and they have their own way, um, I guess. Um, and now kind of getting into uh like your school i think uh, like we talked about it offline where uh, i looked at your website and what stressed to stood out to me is your faq section because you pretty much answered every question your faq section is literally every single question anyone can have getting into karthak and just shows a lot of clarity so just when getting into that could you tell us a little bit about rhythm school of karthak where is it now how many students and all that and what do you do there Uh, my school is currently online, so mm -hmm. it's open for uh, any interested student from any part of the world. Mm -hmm. But if you ask me about the physical studio, we are located in Yalahanka Newtown, which is in North Bangalore, mm -hmm. closer to the international airport. Mm -hmm. And uh, what I do is uh, I'm taking, I'm trying to take, I would say, uh, my guru's work ahead. Uh, Dr. Rohini Ji has uh, done intense work in the field of Kathak where she has gotten a beautiful synthesis of the Lucknow Gharana as well as the Jaipur Gharana. Her gurus were uh, Guru Pandit Lachu Maharaji of the Lucknow Gharana and Guru Pandit Mohan Rauji Kalyanpurkar of the Jaipur Gharana. And she has uh, brought in her own style to what she learned from these great gurus. A very strong uh, technique of the Jaipur and the beautiful Ang of the Lucknow. And I, I really like her style, not just because she's my guru, but I really do love her style and I do want to take it ahead and uh, give this, uh, uh, you know, ahead to the children that are learning with me. And uh, in rhythm, the fo focus is more on the traditional aspect of Kathak as per the, you know, the Guru Shishya Parampara style, you know, my guru was very particular on uh, the uh, usage of Abhinay Darpan in Kathak, how Kathak 
derives from Abhinay Darpan, how uh, we are connected with the ancient treatise. So I do uh, readings of the Abhinay Darpan with them and I explain to them uh, the shlokas and uh, I tell them that how Pataka Hasta has come from here. And this is the connection and how in different ways it is used. So this is done right at the beginning, you know, because uh, this is our base. So this is done right at the, in the beginning, in the first year itself. And this never ends. This learning of the Abhinadarpa never ends. It still goes on no matter for how many years you're learning. So this is one part of it. The other part is that um, I have... Uh, also, uh, I teach them theory through audiovisual methods. I just don't sit there and take uh, take a theory class and tell them that this meaning of la is this or meaning of toda is uh, uh, arrhythmic compositions using the words of the tabla, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I explain this to them. I show them a video clipping of the masters, not of myself. Always the masters, and. Uh, and I make them learn visually so that they understand. When I say Gatka Ang, what exactly is Gatka Ang? Either I give them a demo when I'm telling them theory or I show them a video. And uh, for gharanas also, I have done a family tree of each gharana and I show them who are the descendants and who are the current uh, you know, uh, torch bearers who are taking the gharana ahead. So this is one way of doing things at Rhythm. Another thing is Samvad, which I started, where I invite uh, professionals from the different fields of dance um, and they interact with my students. They talk about their dance form and they explain to them at a very basic level. For example, uh, uh, Shrimati Sarita Mishraji was uh, invited for Samvad and she spoke about Odissi. And she told them the basics about Odissi and she told them the costumes and a little bit of the history. And uh, she even had them do a few steps in Odissi. And then they kind of had an interaction with her. So this is something that I do in my classes. Even Professor Ashish Mohan Kokarji was also uh, there to talk about uh, Indian classical dance traditions. So this, this is how things go at rhythm in this way. I have tried to give a balance of the Guru Shishya Parampara, but a modern touch also to keep the kids uh, who, you know, interested in it. And I just realized this is, was rhythm supposed to be a play on the word rhythm or that just kind of worked out? It just kind of worked out because mm -hmm. I was looking for uh, something that related with enrichment okay. uh, because uh, I found that most of my, uh, uh, you know, strength came from Kathak. Whatever enrichment I have in life has come from Kathak. Okay. So I wanted the name to take that ahead. So rhythm just came in that sense. And uh, somehow it also coincides with R-H-Y-T-H-M. But mm. that wasn't meant. Okay. It wasn't meant that way. Happy coincidence then. So yes. yeah, uh, I loved your answer because um, you talked about so many things. And there's so many things I want to branch out to. But I'll take them one by one. So starting sure. with Abhinay Darpan, so I, I, I know what Abhinay is. I haven't, uh, Abhinay Darpan, that term I'm not familiar with. Could you tell us a little bit about what Abhinay Darpan is? Darpan is a mirror. So it mm -hmm. kind of translates to mirror of gestures. Okay. It just translates to that loosely if you look at it. And it talks about uh, what the dance, uh, any dance in Indian classical 
that is the indian classical dance forms how they should uh, you know uh, follow the hastas which hastas and why and how you are supposed to hold your palms and which are the mudras and which are the uh, ways of standing or ways of uh, spinning ways of jumping so these things are given there and also uh, you know the opening shlok is angikam uh, bhuvanam yasya which talks about shiva mm. as the cosmic dancer so this kind of forms the base for uh, most of our indian classical dances mm. uh, written by acharya acharya nandikeshwar so i try to incorporate this my guru has done a lot of uh, research on the topic mm-hmm. and uh, she came uh, with a lecture demonstration mm-hmm. where uh, kathak uh, she's shown how kathak has also taken uh, the uh, influences or rather you can say how it is derived from the same core mm-hmm. uh, generally they'll say that uh, there's a there's a misunderstanding that kathak doesn't have a shastra but that's not true it's very much there you know it's just that over the years with different invasions and different influences and regional uh, uh, ways of uh, saying things like brahmaries we don't use the term brahmaries we say chakkar because that's so much more easier you know even you are saying kathak ka chakkar you're not saying kathak ka brahmari right so these are things that are just lost over time aware the south has preserved it very well but i think the north has uh, been uh, laid back in the attitude but it's very much there and if we just uh, kind of read and get back to our connections uh, we pretty much can incorporate using this terminology in what we are doing and it's not just using terminology it's it's truly there you know if you uh, see if you actually practice it and uh, read the book you can find the connections hmm. yeah i hadn't heard of the brahmari term before i had to look that Sorry, I don't know why I'm changing. Let me put that on alarm. Okay. Yeah, I mean, um, yeah. Uh, so, so Brahmari is like the older term for chakkar. It kind of became chakkar after the invasions and kind of influences and everything. No, it's see, it's Sanskrit, right? So when Sanskrit was lost, Brahmari was lost. That's how I figure things out. And uh, languages keep. Uh, I mean the. uh now it's english right so we will say spins we probably might not even say chakkar we'll use the word spin most of the times because we're communicating in english but regional uh, uh, differences are there like uh, you know ghumna um, sometimes somebody will say ghumna gol ghumo in these small things which are easy to follow for uh, people in a certain uh, re- region rather than using some big term which nobody follows so it breaks down things but it doesn't mean that uh, you know the shastra wasn't there this is this is what i feel okay yeah thanks for explaining the regional influences and how just the world or how we talk about that exchange and next thing i want to talk about is the guru shishya parampara so like for you uh yeah for you how do you incorporate the guru? i guess i want to get a little deeper into the how you incorporate guru shishya parampara now like you know because now with people having a little more fast paced lives maybe it may not always be possible to spend all your day or just go to your guru's house and you know kind of spend your life there so how do you make those adjustments knowing our 
the phases of life and bring that into this teenage i guess uh the way first i learned my initial training years in kala academy goa uh, it was very strict we were, i mean we were scared to even question why we are doing things and why we should do this and it was really very strict and um, i i mean obviously i cannot follow the same pattern now because uh, first of all i don't believing in not questioning one should question one should try to find out that's that's the first and foremost reason but that doesn't mean that the students can uh, disrespect the teacher and uh, kind of uh, you know start questioning each and everything what you are doing so that balance that has to be maintained that is a very tricky thing so how i have managed to get it in my classes where uh, they are scared of me to some extent uh, i mean i don't know if it's a good thing that they are scared of me or not but some are scared of me that i know so it keeps the discipline uh, you know it doesn't get out of hand because without discipline you can't really proceed anywhere so i have always stressed on discipline in the class uh, sometimes i have told them that you can't attend my class if you cannot be disciplined sometimes i've had to speak with parents and uh, have the issues sorted out in different ways it's it's not really that easy but uh, to really progress you have to have the entire class in focus and disciplined at the other same time you have to give them their freedom so that they enjoy the learning process so once we get that kind of a rapport it's all about building the rapport and the bond with your students so it doesn't happen overnight it takes a while so but it it does happen that much i can say so now i don't have to tell my class to be disciplined they, they know that once the class starts they are not supposed to be uh, talking or you know somebody uh, uh, making fun of the partner or some kind of nonsense that they do laughing at each other and all that has completely stopped uh, i think uh, last 7 years yeah it's not been happening so it took me about let's say 2 2 years to really get there with my students so this part of the guru shishya parampara is there and whatever i'm teaching them is what i have learned from the guru the parampara that i'm giving is the same as what i have learned from my guru in addition i teach them um, some of my own pieces also which uh, uh, you know which are not part of the syllabus but that will help them to do you know uh, small dances musical compositions that they can do in their school uh, 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 on on uh, in their school competitions or things like that or in their personal uh, events where you know uh, they have something going on in the society and they want to perform there so they can do these pieces because i do the choreography simple which easy for them to pick up and uh, be uh, you know practice it well and get the structure fine and then the expression because what i teach them in the syllabus is a little complicated it's not that easy to master in a short span of time and then perform it to take like about more than 2 years or so to actually get there to perform uh, so that doesn't mean that they shouldn't perform so i kind of mix it up in this way so the tradition is also there but uh, 
if you look at today's times, you know, they have to get a little bit of motivation to do things and you have to keep them there because there are so many other distractions, internet being one of them and, uh, you know, n number of activities that they're already in through schools as well as through, you know, their homes. So you have to keep things a little balanced, a little easy going. And you really have to um, step up when things get out of hand. So right now things are fine and everybody seems to be happy. And yes, nobody's enjoying online learning, but we don't have a choice at the moment. Yeah, I um, I, I love how you kind of wrapped up the whole intent, uh, that the kind of meaning behind that answer by saying, you know, you have to be easygoing, but you also have to step up at the right time. And yes. uh, Sabra, you made a couple of references to the syllabus. So could you tell us a little bit about what syllabus you follow and what is it what, what is it that you like about that particular syllabus? See, the syllabus uh, that I follow is as laid down by Akhil Bhartiya Gandharva Mahavidyalaya Mandal mm -hmm. because the examinations that these kids appear for is by ABG MVM. So they have uh, given a yearly first year you are supposed to do eight mudras they should know and uh, let's say they should uh, know one basic chakar and uh, they should know how to stand in a pose and meaning of a pose and then the second year it will kind of increase with patterns in the tatkar and maybe a few todas and um, recitation and a little bit of theory theory is like in a brief introduction to Kathak or uh, talk about your guru and your institute, you know, things like that. So this I follow. Now content is what I have learned from my Guruji and some of it is my own content, the todas that I create myself. Uh, so this I teach them. And uh, the thing is that the syllabus is quite tough a little later because there are a whole lot of things that suddenly come into it, you know, uh, around uh, Praveshika Purna year onwards. And it is not possible to complete it in one year when you're meeting twice a week and if you consider the absentism and uh, you know people taking off on holidays and things like that it is just not possible to finish it in once a year so I make it very clear that exams will not happen every year I will have them appear every two years so on an average up to Praveshika Purna it would take two years to complete each level if you're going by my content the content that I'm teaching and when you reach Madhyama, it might take a little longer. Uh, so this I clarify, that's the FAQs is all about that. Because the first question, parents are very much interested in when will they sit for the exam? And I will be first, please let them learn. Let's then talk about the exams. And, and for me, the certificates are not so important because this is a performing art. No amount of certificates can make you a dancer. Uh, you you have to learn it uh, you know in a different way if you want to be a performing artist uh, however i encourage going for exams because it kind of um, uh, keeps things in track the progress and i am not the examiner it's somebody else that kinds of gives them uh, you know a confidence whether uh, my child is really doing well or not doing well in kind of just um, you know emphasizes on these facts when the, there's another examiner so there's no bias there you know it's completely somebody unknown and they know 
how the children are doing once they see the results. And if anybody wants to go into teaching later on, then these certificates, at least the Visharat certificate will help them to get a, you know, a decent job with a proper pay and all. So this is one of the reasons I have them appear for the exams at regular intervals. Uh, this is the only reason from the job point of view. Hmm. So Sampataji, I guess I'm wondering about this. So kind of I come from an engineering world and when we talk about exams, um, you could study for you could study the course and give the exam or you could study for the exam directly. Like there are two ways of approaching it. Like a lot of exams that I've given, if you really wanted to, you could kind of game them in the sense that you know the syllabus, you know the pattern, you know the questions you're going to ask. So you don't have to know the content in detail mm -hmm. to pass the exam necessarily. Now I wanted to understand from the point of Kathak. Now you, you're kind of spacing it out. So you clearly are giving them the time to learn the content and then appear as an exam as a formality to do that. But uh, like in your experience, uh, is it possible? Is it uh, like uh, the way the Gandhava syllabus or like other syllabus are written? If, it's, if you're comfortable answering, is it possible to say game the system if someone just wants to study for the exam and pass it, or is it is the exam done in a way that you have to actually know what you're doing to do the exam? What do you feel about that? You can game the syllabus. I have been approached to do that by mm. some uh, students who want to complete their Vishara and Alankar, but I refuse to do it because. For me, it's very important to uh, know your content and your dance first and foremost, because uh, if this is happening at Madhyama level, it's still not um, a big uh, problem because most of them will not be entering teaching lines uh, after completing Madhyama. Mm. Uh, I mean, they're not eligible to teach at that point. But at Vishara and Alankar, if you game an exam, and if really the candidate has no clue about the content and has just kind of, you know, learned only those sections to uh, present and perform properly for the sake of exam. What kind of a teacher is that going to make later on? Hmm. So as a teacher, you have to know all the aspects, all the elements that go with the art. You can't just take out one thing and, you know, say, okay, this is, I have done this and that's about it. So I don't, I don't like this whole idea of gaming the exam. I, I always focus that you know the art form and you take it at your own pace. When you're ready for Vishara, then you're ready because Abhina is not something that you can just get it, you know, overnight. Some are talented. Yes, they are very good. They can do it, but it's not everybody's cup of tea. It takes a long time to uh, get and master some things, nuances of an art form, uh, be it any dance style. It takes a while to uh, get it in your, you know, uh, I wouldn't say control, but to get it in your system is more like it. Uh, you have to like literally breathe the whole thing mm -hmm. and keep thinking about it all the time. That is when it is in your system. And when you're thinking about it so much is then is when you can actually present it in a, you know, in a very honest way. Mm -hmm. Otherwise you're just putting on an act. Hmm. You're just acting. You're not really expressing. Okay, understood. Expression has to come from within. And that will not happen until you spend a considerable amount of time with a piece. Okay. And uh, this may sound very cliched that everybody says this, but trust me, it's true because it's experience that I'm telling you about. There's mm -hmm. a composition that I've been doing for more than 10 years. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, it's it's so easy. It just comes. It just comes forth. But something that I've just learned maybe six months back or even one month, one year back, 
it, it, it's kind of a, a struggle with it. It's a bit of a struggle. So does that come so, go back to what you talk about conviction, like uh, like believing in the piece when you talk about expression versus acting? Yeah, believing. Uh, uh, believing is uh, what I meant is uh, what you want to perform. If somebody, I'll give you an example. If somebody is asking me to uh, do a classical uh, composition on a Bollywood piece, this is something I don't believe in. So I won't do it. Hmm. Uh, if I do it, I won't be uh, good in it because uh, I don't believe in it. So it's hmm. not going to come forth. But here, what I mean is when you're learning a Thumri, now at Visharat level, you have a Thumri, you have uh, Naikas, which they have to perform. Now, when you're doing these compositions, you first have to understand the character you're presenting, the music, the feel, the bhav that comes with it, the expression, the emotions, and uh, not to forget the choreography and the steps and the timing. There's a whole lot going on there. It's not just uh, sitting and, uh, you know, uh, uh, expressing line or word to word. Hmm. Most of the things are beyond the spoken words. Your Sanchari Bhavas. So all these things take a while to, you know, get into your system to actually uh, understand how you are going to go through the process of uh, expressing for a Thumri. It's not something that you learn the structure, you learn the steps, you learn the movements, or either smile karna hai, either dukhi dekna hai, or ho gaya thumri. Aise nahi hai. That emotion to come across takes time. And time is unfortunately something that a lot of people don't have now, but the, you, you don't have any alternate to this. These things need time you have to give it time and only then you know you will get somewhere with your expression so this is what i meant uh, when i said believe in and uh, when you said getting in your system this is a, a slight difference so if someone asks me to perform i will always opt for something traditional like a bhajan or a kajri or a tumri because uh, this is what i believe in presenting mm. as a as a kathak dancer and uh, I would always take a piece that I've worked a lot on, not mm. something that is new, because the new thing is not in my system yet. Mm. I have not really grasped it well. I have mm. not understood it well. So I wouldn't dare to put it across. I really wouldn't dare. Okay. This, this is what I was trying to say. Interesting. Uh, lots of things to discuss here. I guess, first of all, just bouncing off from what you said previously, where you're talking about in the system. For you, Sampadaraji, like I'm sure when you perform, when you kind of learn a composition, it'll look uh, for you. When do you, at what point would you usually feel comfortable from new composition to being able, comfortable performing? Like I'm sure it looks great when you first pick it up anyway, but at what, how long does it usually take for you to, to be comfortable doing it for yourself and performing it? Like that process, what does that look like for you? It's, it's a different time period for different compositions, mm-hmm. but when I feel that uh, I can do this without effort is mm. when I know that it's in my system. When I don't have to think what I have to do. Mm. It just comes. The music starts and the I, I just start my piece and I, I am into it and I'm performing it and I'm not thinking that should I be going here or going there or what. And even if I go 
even if I move, say it in a wrong direction, yeah. uh, you know, because sometimes you're so intensely involved in a piece, you don't really uh, think so much because you're uh, involved in giving that emotion or uh, catching. Sometimes you have to consciously catch timing in uh, Abhinayam. And if you do go in a wrong direction, uh, you kind of uh, manage it with, uh, you know, something improve where uh, the people don't know that you have gone in the wrong direction. You should be in the right, but you've gone to the left and you've managed it because you have the, you know, the understanding on how to improvise. And that happens because you have worked a lot with your composition. And that will not happen if you have just practiced it for a few times and, you know, you're gone on stage. And that, that is, that is where, when I feel that I, it's in my system is when I am doing it effortlessly, be it a tal, be it a vandana, be it an abhinay. This, uh, this um, concept applies to all the aspects that is nrita, nritya and abhinay, whichever way you look at it. So it has to be effortless. So mm -hmm. that comes with a lot of riyas. That's why I again keep telling, apna riyas karo. There's no substitute for riyas. Yeah, um, uh, this is a sentiment that I've been kind of slowly coming to terms with where if you do a composition just because you nail the steps and you hit every movement and every beat, it doesn't mean you actually have it. You have it when you don't have to worry about it anymore. Yeah, and and you and you and your bhav has to come through, hmm. and you will only know it when you get the reaction from your audience. The rasa happens when the audience, you know, come back to you, whether they are in the same uh, emotional state as you know you have been on stage or you have wanted them to be and that generally we have this um, uh, you know get together once the recital is done the audience will definitely come backstage and they'll talk to you and that is the point when you know that uh, you know you have reached out to them so this is another way of checking you know how well you've been and I think uh, most artists after a certain point also know deep down when they have done well and they have not done well. Many times I know that this was a very bad performance. You know, I, I went off and I didn't get this bhav right or I didn't get this um, timing right. And you know that because you've spent so much time on the riyas, but sometimes things don't go for you on stage. There could be many factors. So it's not always, uh, you know, pink and happy, happy, despite Riyas, you yeah. can have your downfalls many times right. for some different reason altogether. Hmm. Okay. Understood. Um, yeah. Um, and I guess on this note, you talked about, uh, this is something I'm always curious about when you said that uh, it may not always go your way, uh, but there's also, you know, sometimes artists and people who are really good at something also very hard on themselves and unnecessary you know that they may think something no went doesn't didn't go well but the audience liked it or no one else got it or so how do you differentiate for yourself uh, between like something that goes wrong genuinely and something that may not be that important but it just feels like an important detail you know what i mean yeah i understand but uh, you know every artist will never be happy with their performance no matter how right. good it went or how well it was appreciated we always find that there is some element that was missing and we always try to find it in our riyas the next day and uh, many times you find things in your riyas uh, which you lose on stage and then you make note of these things 
and mm. uh, try to bring it in the next time you present a piece that's why uh, you know the the masters if you see them they will be performing the same compositions years and years you'll be seeing the same pieces because as time goes by those pieces get better and better mm-hmm. and uh, there's a lot that one can take home on seeing right. their uh, recitals mm-hmm. but current trend is uh, yeah i have already done this uh, composition ma'am i would like to do something else for the next i said how have you done it have you at least done it properly <laughs> you know like but yeah this is now the generation which is uh, different and uh, i really can't uh, expect them to do things the way i did and i'm sure i didn't do things the way my guruji did if i if you read about her life i mean the way she has learned by traveling to lucknow in that era where you know it was not easy for a woman to go to lucknow and learn and that to kathak so uh, i don't know if we could have learned in the same way I maybe mean, we are very lucky that we got a systematized uh, you know way of learning and a very easy you know with the teachers who are women because there was a taboo back then where the men were teaching mm-hmm. it was not uh, that easy for a lady to step out and learn from a man but uh, things are so much easier now for us and yeah i mean the way i learned i don't expect or the way i struggled i wouldn't expect my students would struggle the same but i would like them to have that understanding mm-hmm. and this is one of the reasons uh, part of rhythm what i do is i keep showing them uh, films on the masters mm-hmm. whatever that i can uh, have in my archives or if i can find on the internet or i can buy the dvds i have a projector and a screen so we settle in our class uh, you know once in two months or mm-hmm. once in three months and we watch a film mm-hmm. or we watch a, a performance and i also used to take them on field trips twice a year mm-hmm. i call them field trips because that is the term that uh, current generation understand mm-hmm. it's a simple thing we book a vehicle i take a contribution for the vehicle uh, based on how many students are there mm-hmm. and we just go and watch a concert and come back late in the night about maybe 9:30 10 and the parents nice. come and pick them up from my uh, gate so this is kind of uh, done for them to develop an interest to watch classical dance and music uh, after all tomorrow if some of them are going to be dancers they also need audiences right mm. so we have to develop our audiences we just can't say oh no there are no audiences we have to make efforts to uh, get our audiences so this is one step that i took taking them bringing them back and uh, uh, they have enjoyed it immensely and uh, watching always always making them watch the gurus mm. so that the gurus are not forgotten and uh, their struggles always telling them i i think every year i will tell them in guru purnima again the same old struggle you know they some of them might feel are didi tai fir se wohi bata rahi hai but it's necessary it's necessary to remind them mm-hmm. that you have it easy you know people have struggled so much you have it easy so you know make the most of it mm-hmm. try at least try and then we'll see how things go ahead you know uh, that that's my only intention not to put anybody down or anything but just to kind of make them realize that what they are learning is uh, a privilege because the guru struggled i also didn't struggle in that way you know but the gurus have struggled and it's a privilege for us that we are learning this beautiful bandesh these beautiful compositions 
दैट आर टाइमलेस आई मीन कब से है काहे रोकत रिटर्न बाय गुरु बिंदादन महाराज विच डेट्स इट स्टिल अपील्स टू द ऑडियंसेस नो दीज आर सो टाइमलेस पीसेस एंड दे शुडंट बी फॉरगॉटन सो दिस इज द वे आई लाइक टू डू थिंग्स इन माय क्लास ओके सो यू टॉक टू अबाउट मास्टर्स एंड गुरुज आई गेस एंड देयर्स सो दैट्स व्हाट आई वांटेड टू आस्क नेक्स्ट because you said you know the gurus you said you, you said something interesting you said the gurus did this way and i did this way so that comes from brings me to my next question sampada ji um, you run an academy of students you probably have students who call you guru uh, and what is your relationship with that word uh, do you do you think of yourself as a guru or when your students call you that how do you perceive yourself i guess i don't uh, think of myself as a guru no because a guru is somebody who would take complete responsibility for the disciple Okay. complete responsibility taking mm-hmm. care of each and everything that the child needs to nurture uh, his education or her education and to make sure that uh, she becomes a professional dancer mm-hmm. so this kind of a responsibility um i i don't know that i can take it or i have Uh, got a few of my senior students whom i share this uh, bond with where yeah. i am uh, you know kind of uh, having different teaching methodology methodology with them because they have conveyed they would like to take this up as a profession hmm. uh, so i don't call myself a guru but i teach them so they refer to me as their guru hmm. So that's a different thing. I tell them that ये मत मुझे गुरु ऐसे मत बुलाओ पब्लिक में. I feel embarrassed. It's very embarrassing. There's only one guru, our masters. But they, out of respect and their love, you know, they will say guru sampada pille, and then I'll be like, क्या क्या बोल रहे हो चुपचाप चुपचाप. लेकिन ये चलते रहता है. This keeps going on. It's not going to end. Uh, so no, no. I don't consider myself as a guru. I can see I taught them and I hope that I can um you know uh, successfully take it ahead to the next generation. If I can do this then I would feel very happy and satisfied. Okay. So yeah, this is what I'm getting very curious about your relationship with your guru and your training as well. But before that, you mentioned your relationship with your senior students. I'm very curious about that because we talked uh, so so far we've talked about, you know, kids, students, get get badgering them to practice and so that's a different dynamic. But uh let's uh, so like could you tell us a little so then uh, but your senior students is clearly different because you've gone through all of that with them. They're with you there in this for the long run. So could you tell us a little bit about what your relationship is like with your senior students how and and how do you train them which is kind of maybe different from like say a beginner uh yes uh, uh the senior students mimansa shama and now sakshi three of them they have uh, expressed that they would really like to take this up professionally as performers as teachers so when that uh, angle comes in then uh, my job changes when you have a batch when you have a group of students uh, when you're beginning the first year or even when they go into say the third year or something of learning it's very difficult to train everyone with an idea that they are going to be professionals because that's not the case most of them are there for hobby most of them are there for their personal enjoyment and they may not like to be pushed hard 
the way you know one should when it comes to a profession but uh, the moment these girls uh, i mean their parents conveyed that they wish to take the sub seriously i separated them from the group i gave them a different time slot for extensive training and got them to do their tatkars for a minimum of 1 hour i put them into a riyas uh, pattern or format where they need to do tatkar for a good amount of time follow it up with tal practice again for an hour or more and eventually finish with an abhinay compositions so this uh, you know kind of system i got them into uh, to practice on a daily basis they have to do this every day not just in the class and uh, they took it up very well with a lot of energy and determination i also taught them a few complicated compositions which would help them in their performances uh, in a kind of uh, you know highlighting uh, some sections of their solos so these things also i have given them which are not part of the syllabus yeah and i also asked them to search for suitable music and first of all it the music uh, you know should be free of copyright you cannot take uh, somebody's music and then use it without permission so that's the first condition that i uh, you know put forth they have to find music which uh, they can use without uh, problems of copyright and ownership so this is also part of their research and then once they find such a music uh, they would need to do their own choreography to this piece using the concepts and the movements that they have learnt in class to go and do their riyas so i encourage them in this way uh, doesn't mean that i don't encourage my junior students to participate in competition but i don't push them that's the difference there i leave it to them uh it's their choice if you wish i always give the information of all the events in all the groups of the batches that i have but i push these kids more i literally badger them ki nahi tumko karna hai you have to do you have to get this done that way i don't care if you have an exam you have to figure it out because life is going to be like that for you you know you're not going to have things easy you have to do your time management and you have to get things done and you have to stand on stage at the end of the day so you better start now you know so i badger them but i will not badger the others like this so that that's that's the difference yeah uh yeah thanks for sharing how you prep your senior students and you're talking about sending them for competitions and that is something i want to discuss anyway so great segue into that so when it you know you you live in a metropolitan city there going to be and yeah i mean covid aside when i guess yeah covid is a little different but in general when you're living in a metropolitan city you a metropolitan city you're going to have a lot of opportunities a lot of organizers a lot of people who uh, organize competitions so amidst all that how do you prep your students or how what do you teach your students to figure out which competitions to go for which ones not to and how to identify the right organizers who will have the right interest for your students how do you go through that process with them so i i have pushed them only into the process i ask them to do the research it's your competition you should do the research and come to me with what data you have collected many of times you find that the competitions uh, there are uh, quite a number of competitions uh, which 
have a good substantial amount as registration fees but when it comes to the prizes there is nothing just an e certificate mm. so these are the first i cross out from the list mm-hmm. because uh, it's not about the money it's not about the prizes but i think it's a little unfair that you are taking a substantial registration fee which can be anything from 300 to 500 rupees and you're opening it globally so imagine how much uh, you know you're collecting and at least give some decent award to the uh, winners and uh, you know whatever whatever you can manage it doesn't have to be a huge sum so i don't uh, find this uh, concept very uh, nice mm. not to uh, put anyone down but i don't agree with it so i tell my girls that i don't want you going for these kind of events um eventually of course it is which uh, uh, whether they really want to pursue each and every competition you know that i have to dance on each and every platform but this is not what i advocate i tell them you select uh, two three good events in a year and work nicely and present things properly rather than doing something every month and uh, making a hodgepodge of things so this is what i tell them and mm-hmm. even for performances uh, platforms that ask you to pay mm-hmm. so that you can perform is a definite no mm. we will not pay and we will not perform so definitely no paying and performing i am not a big shot in but when i have done collaboration events with my guru behens and uh, also with other artists from bangalore i have ensured that even in my small setup i have paid honorariums to the artists that i have invited to dance in my productions so if somebody small like me can give a nominal amount of say rupees 5000 for some artist who is from bangalore and an amount of rupees 12000 to 15000 to an artist who is from another state not from bangalore Uh, then why can't organizers attempt the same is my question uh, so yes i cannot ask anyone to do things the way i do but i can definitely decide whether to be party or not hmm understood so yeah the lines kind of i guess the easy way to do it is kind of not easy way but like a, a good rule of thumb is if it's a pre- if it's a competition is uh, how is the how does the award money compare to the registration fee and for performances mm. should be paying to perform at all so that is a good rule of thumb yeah because like recently mimansa mimansa recently won at udan 2021 which mm. was organized by kala ashram udaipur and uh, she won a cash prize of 11000 rupees that's like a very good amount to be, to be given to you know um, student level or so mm-hmm. i really hats off to such organizers who are taking uh, so much uh, you know interest and in doing things in this manner so it it's good that we have uh, people like this working and we would like to support such organizations in the future and it was also covid relief event because whatever else that they collected was uh, you know donated for uh, the covid relief uh, right. uh, cms fund i think if i'm not mistaken mm-hmm. but uh, yeah i mean you have work in this way so i i would i, w- I tell the girls that you identify you know organizations who are doing this kind of work and then doesn't matter if you don't win nobody's going there with an intent to win or to stand out or something but be a part of something that is 
a good which is at least having this clarity in their vision so this is what i tell them and they have to do the research and come to me with their findings okay yeah first yeah first of all congratulations to me man for winning that and you talked about you don't go into competitions where i guess with intending to win um i guess a little bit about a few question a uh, question about that i guess if it's a competition uh, you would uh, you would i guess you would at least plan go with a plan to figure to compete so do you, when you send your students to competitions uh, is there a strategy you send them with cause you know ultimately they're going to be pitted against other people so yeah part of it is you want to perform your piece as well as possible but uh, the fact that you know other other people are coming and like there's going to be a judge panel does that change the way like you say what what pieces you select for them and how they're going to present it on stage compared to say a regular performance uh yeah i mean uh, in a competition you're barely given few minutes mm-hmm. so in that few minutes you would need to show your um, control over the various aspects of the art form so uh, you know have a mix of both where there will be your technical pure technical pieces as well as expressional uh, uh, pieces in there and uh, sometimes we have to do the edits to get that done uh, sometimes we get a ready made song which uh, you know kind of combines both the things so there's a lot of searching and uh, we have to spend money on tracks sometimes we have to get such a track made if there is time the focus is on uh, presenting all the aspects of kathak that means you even have to present abhinaya and also show your skill and command in the technical aspect it needs to have a balance of both it can't just be Uh, one section so these these factors i think uh, are important hmm. when uh, they are going for a competition whereas if it's a recital they get at least 15 to 20 minutes so you can uh, give two items where one can be a pure technical piece mm-hmm. and the other one can be an abhinaya piece but competitions don't have we don't have that uh, uh, you know that that kind of time uh, mm-hmm. time span given to us so this is the only uh, thing that i ask them to do otherwise there's no other strategy i mean simple thing like uh, present a piece that you know same protocol don't take something new that you are not settled in hmm. because you're bound to make mistakes in your presentation hmm. take something that you're settled in or if if it's new then make sure you practice it till you are you know comfortable mm. in performing it so okay. this is the only uh, thing that i tell them okay mm. that really helps i love how you, you know that you shared how what you thinking about and how it, and how you kind of adapt with a changing time limit as well so sampada ji i guess we spent so much time talking about uh, you your students in that and now i guess i'd like to go a little back and talk about your guru as well can you tell us a little bit about like your 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 connection with your guru and what what your training was like since we kind of alluded to it in the conversation so far i uh, i was trained under guru shrimati amala suri patkar ji for a long many years at kala academy 
me Goa. Mm-hmm. And uh, the training, as I said, it was very strict atmosphere. And she was also loving at the same time. strict mm-hmm. But uh, it was a different relation. I, I was very scared of her. I started at six. So I was like really, really scared of her initially. But I think um, I, uh, oh, as the time, uh, you know, went, it uh, kind of uh, changed uh, the relationship. It kind of became more uh, like a family that way. So when I moved to Pune after my Parangat, I was suddenly in the class of a legendary guru. And I never imagined that I would get there because uh, first of all, I'll give a very short background. I had a little bit of a health issue in my teens. I I was suddenly I became asthmatic. So dance was actually out of the window for me at that point from the age of 15 onwards. So I, I really... I mean, I was pretty clear by my ninth standard that I wanted to become a dancer or I wanted to be in Kathak. At least that was my focus. I was very clear on that. But with asthma, I kind of, you know, uh, the whole uh, idea flew out of the window, as I was saying. And uh, but still, I carried on. I took a break in Kala Academy in my years of learning in Kala Academy for two years. I took a break. Then I got back and completed my Parangat. Then I went to Pune and suddenly I found myself in Guru Rohiniji's class. Uh, and I was wondering, uh, okay, you know, I, I'm just I'm learning because for it's for my sake I'm learning. It's not for a profession or it's not for a performance or anything like that. But it's when I shared this with her, uh, it is she who gave me the confidence that, uh, no, Sampada, uh, you shouldn't think that way. You're working hard. And you should take this up. So what if you have asthma? A lot of people have so many problems in life. You can't give up. This is all she said. And kind of it just changed everything for me at that point, you know. So, uh, I mean, I I kind of believed that I could do this as a profession or as a career. And I think uh, uh, it kind of brought me more closer to her because I felt she could really understand uh, me and what I was going through at that point. And uh, she didn't uh, kind of for, you know, she very, very encouraging and very, very supportive. And uh, that's, I guess, that's why she's such a great guru. And uh, whatever, you know, I am, it's credit for my technique and everything goes to her for this reason, because she kind of encouraged me. She kind of told me not to lose the confidence in myself. And uh, by the time I got to her, she was quite old. She was over 70 years. Mm-hmm. So there's very little dancing that I have seen of her. Whatever I have seen, I have seen in videos. And uh, I do try to understand um, what her thought processes might have been when she's doing a particular choreography. I talk to my seniors to understand it better because mm-hmm. they have spent more years with her and they know her a lot better than I would know. You know, so these this this kind of a bond is very special where you know you suddenly find your answers. That that's what a guru does. It just gives you your answers. You know. You're, you're in a like clouded state and everything just opens up for you and it's uh, sunshine. Hmm. So that's how it was with Guru Rohini Ji, sunshine. Mm-hmm. Understood. Um, yeah, I mean, thanks for sharing the story about giving as and how your Guru helped you overcome it. It's a great example of, you know, how, you know, 
in general like the right person the right guru coming in at the right time and kind of kind of shaping your own own life after that and um, talking about life samraji uh, we kind of yeah we've talked about your relationship with your gurus you talked about your relationship with your students your relationship with your with your dance as well so samraji coming to my final question um when it comes to kathak what would you like your legacy to be i really never thought on my legacy i've always thought on guru's legacy always so i i am afraid i cannot give you a clear answer on this but mm-hmm. i all like i said i would like to carry forward my guru's legacy mm-hmm. and in that journey if i can add something that enhances the dance form mm-hmm. and makes a difference to the art and the mm-hmm. practitioners uh, mm-hmm. that would be my legacy as as i'm saying i'm still in my in the journey i'm still in the process mm-hmm. so as and when the time comes i i guess i will figure things out on what i want to do as of now uh, my students they are at a stage where you know they have to be trained at uh, in the taleem is more important for them rather than experimenting and doing productions and that is not on the cards for me right now because they are not at that stage but when they come to that stage is then when i would probably start thinking about uh, uh, the this next step we do co- graphics it's not that we don't i do uh, you know small uh, works with them mm-hmm. but it's not very large scale not mm-hmm. something that would you call a very large scale production because you need a different kind of uh, uh, development and stage presence for that which takes a little bit of time so mm-hmm. yeah so my my legacy is uh, i'm 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 not really clear on it right now uh, at this point i'm only thinking about my guru's legacy and uh, how i can uh, uh you know make it uh um you know a uh, kind of uh, how i can get people to uh, join in and appreciate and enjoy her dance and her uh, techniques uh, mainly her repertoire and how i can get uh, it to the next generation this has been my focus all these years yeah going forward your guru's legacy i think yeah on that's a great way to end this uh, yeah just to recap we kind of talked about uh, we yeah we talked about starting from bangalore you talked about starting from scratch you talked about performing for audiences here you talked about your school you talked about the junior students your senior students the parents we talked about how all of that went i learned about the abhinaya about navinaya darpan is and what is stuti is always go and learn something new from here and we kind of went back into your training as well so i think yeah i love that we kind of discussed so much and that's what i love about this platform where we can just talk for 90 minutes about kathak and nothing else and yeah so samraji i guess with that i would like to bring this episode to podcast again thanks to mehmansa for being uh, for introducing you to me and yeah thank you thank you so much it was very nice speaking with you and sharing whatever little knowledge that i have on kathak and i hope that we can get more and more uh, people and uh, younger uh, generations interested in this dance because it's really a beautiful style once you get to know it at its core you will start loving it immensely this much i can say <laughs>